I. My name is Gia, and this is F Diet Culture. All right. So I'm really excited to finally start my podcast. I've been thinking about doing this for a really long time. The past year, I've had a YouTube series called We Need to Talk, where I interview people um, on Zoom during quarantine about basically everything that this podcast is going to be interviewing different people who are advocates for eating disorder awareness and prevention, people who have suffered from eating disorders or on the path of recovery, um, just body acceptance in general. And I'm really excited to be able to finally start this. A little bit about me, I'm 24. I'm an athletic trainer. I just recently graduated with my master's in athletic training. I work with eating disorder prevention and athletes as well. I'm working towards developing better preseason screenings for athletes um, to be able to detect eating disorders in athletes before they become full-blown. Better prevention means better care, and better care means hopefully more success as an athlete in their athletic career. I started advocating for eating disorder education and prevention seven years ago. I have been, if you know me, uh, I've always been known as a pageant girl. I did pageants for seven years of my life. I was in the Miss America organization. And if you don't know a lot about the Miss America organization, I don't blame you. Not a lot of people do, but um, you get to choose a platform that you get to advocate for in whichever way you feel necessary. So you get to name it whatever you want, advocate whichever way you want. And that's how I developed this, where my advocacy project is today. So um, my advocacy now today, it's called the Body Acceptance Project. You can visit my Instagram, the Body Acceptance underscore project. Um, it's a line of clothing that I've recently developed, all saying all bodies are good bodies. I have hats, t-shirts, long sleeves, and I have my summer launch coming in the next two weeks. So I am really proud of that launch. Um, I've always wanted to develop clothing and now it's really helped me develop like a really awesome community of people who now wear this clothing to the grocery store and someone sees them wearing it and you know says thank you for wearing that shirt because not many people talk about it enough and then those two people have a conversation about eating disorder prevention awareness body acceptance whatever it may be in the middle of the grocery store and that's a story that actually someone has told me after wearing that shirt out when i was actively competing and held titles um, in the Miss America organization. I'm just going to call it the MAO because that's its acronym and it's a lot easier to say. Um, when I was in MAO, I went to schools. That was my favorite aspect of advocating. I spoke to students about what eating disorders are because I don't think our school systems do a great job. They'll tell you the definitions in health class of what anorexia and bulimia are and that's just about it. I actually talked about what eating disorders are, how they present themselves, what to do if you think you or one of your friends family members, whatever it may be, is suffering from eating disorders and how to actually confront that situation because I think so many times people don't know how to start that conversation with someone to let them know they're worried about them and how to do it in you know, not criticizing way so they know that you actually care um, and also providing them local resources of where they can go and affordable options if they didn't have healthcare. Over the course of seven years, I've definitely developed this platform behind me and my end goal has always been clothing and a podcast. So I'm really excited to do this because I think for a long time, again, if you know me, I have been reaching to become a state title holder, either Miss Illinois or Miss Iowa for a very long time. And I thought I had to be Miss Illinois or Miss Iowa to be able to develop a small business and to have my own podcast on Spotify. And I realized that having a crown and sash means literally nothing <laughs> in terms of being able to be successful and advocating. 
you really care about it and you're going to put the work in and you developed a community with you. That's all that matters. I'm really proud of the fact that I've gained a family and a community of people that I've met over the course of seven years uh, who really care about this and care about the people around them enough that they share this as well. I started this podcast because I realized that there is such power and unity and being able to listen to someone talk so openly and vulnerably about what they've gone through. And I had always wished when I was in treatment in high school that someone would just understand what was going on in my head. And after developing my YouTube series, I had a lot of people reach out to me saying that it was so helpful to be able to listen to someone speak about exactly what was going on inside their head and that they didn't feel so alone anymore. And that is exactly why I pushed myself out of my comfort zone and decided to finally do this. A little bit about why I started this project, and I'll talk about it more, I'm sure, in later episodes more in depth, but I was in treatment for two and a half years when I was in high school for anorexia and bulimia. At the time is what they thought was bulimia. Now it actually has a clinical term called orthorexia. Orthorexia is an extreme obsession with exercising and clean eating. My form of purging was exercising and running um, an unhealthy and unsafe amount, pushing my body to limits exercise-wise. And at the time, they called it bulimia, but now it actually has a clinical term. I was fortunate enough that my family helped me develop a non-traditional form of treatment. So commonly, you'll hear inpatient, outpatient, or partial treatment programs. Um, my parents thought it was best for me. Mind you, I was 15 at the time, so um, they thought it was best for me to still live at home and receive treatment at the same time, which was really beneficial for me because I'm an only child and I'm very close with my parents. So they cultivated a care team um, of a primary care physician, a social worker, nutritionist, um, and an orthopedic specialist that I visited once to two times a week for two and a half years, which again, I'll talk about this a lot, but why it's exhausting to buy into the treatment, but also why it's so important to buy into everything that is happening around you and leaning into your resources. So I was released from treatment when I was a senior in high school, just right before I was going to college. And so that was a very weird transition because I was learning how to be out of treatment and not have everything at my disposal and kind of having to take everything I learned in treatment and use it all together as I'm going on into college. And this in itself could be an episode, but there's so much eating disorder culture in college, especially as a girl, um, but not only for women, also for men. So learning how to navigate, staying on the path of recovery while also being exposed to a lot of eating disorder culture and tendencies. You know, spoiler alert, I obviously did things that I knew I wasn't supposed to being recovered. And I had a full-blown relapse when I was a senior in college and had to go back to treatment. So it's been up and down, but it's taken me seven years to be able to sit down and say, yeah, I've relapsed. And yeah, I've done things that I knew I shouldn't do. You know, I've dieted again. I've restricted my eating. I've restricted because I wanted to fit into a certain pair of jeans, but those are all things that I never owned up to being a part of the MAO because I wanted to feel like I had it all together. Every time I go and speak to students, I'd say, I'm seven years recovered and released from treatment, and now I'm on the path of recovery, and now I advocate to help other people. And <laughs> retrospect, looking back, that's a load of bullshit because I was still going through so many struggles, but I felt like I had to put on this smile all the time that everything was perfect and that I don't struggle at all. And now I realize that 
I'm able to make a bigger difference and help a lot more people if I'm just honest and open about the fact that I still struggle because that's human nature and so many people still do. Even having this, and I hate to say like platform because I'm not, I don't, I don't know. I feel like it's like imposter syndrome that I feel like I don't want to ever come off as, you know, the fact that I feel like I have this huge voice and that I have, you know, this huge platform and I make such a difference and I know that I'm going to change people's lives. You know, going into this, I always said I just wanted to make a difference in at least one person's life for them to be able to openly come up to me and tell me, hey, this made a difference. That is success to me. And I've been able to do that. And I continue to strive to have that feeling and meet that person every time I do this advocating, you know? So yes, I still have a sense of imposter syndrome, but I also have realized and had so many people reach out of how helpful the YouTube series was. And that's why I stepped out of my comfort zone to make this and finally do this. You know, it's true that it's a power in numbers. And like I said, I so wish that there was something like this when I was in treatment to be able to listen to and hear from someone else that they had the same thoughts or they had the same emotions or feelings or image of themselves when they looked in the mirror, that I wasn't by myself. And that's why I will be interviewing other people who are either recovered from eating disorders at a comfortable place in their life to talk about their struggles of having an eating disorder at one point or another, body acceptance in general, just relationships with your body at different phases in your life, whether that means learning how to love your body or being recovered from an eating disorder when in a relationship, when in college, when starting a new job. I will have a podcast release every Wednesday talking about just that with other people or on my own. Um, Also talking with my friends and my family. I think something that's not talked about a lot is that when someone's suffering from an eating disorder, they're not the only one going through the eating disorder. Their entire family is or whoever is there supporting them is also going through it. And I can't wait to have my parents on this because, well, I love them and they're hilarious, but also this is, will be the first time ever that people get to hear their side of the story of what it was like to be there and be the full social support system for me. I will say this over and over again, but the key to recovery, one, is finding a good therapist or social worker or psychiatrist um, and loving them. I still see my social worker to this day that was a part of my treatment plan. And I solely believe that she's the reason that I recovered. And two, having a good social support system, whether that be your parents or not, if your parents aren't very present in your life, finding a friend or someone who can be there, an aunt and uncle who can be there for you no matter what. And that is the key to recovery because recovering from an eating disorder, you can take five steps forward in one day and take 10 steps back in the same night. And you need to have someone there that's willing to be okay with that and understand that you're trying your hardest. And that's, that was my parents. Um, also having friends who had to kind of keep this secret, although it was evidently clear in high school that I had an eating disorder, they kept that secret for me. And I think it's important to hear from a friend aspect of what it's like to want the best for your friend and also want to help them. But also it can be somewhat hard to be there all the time. And so uh, I think it's important that I have my friends and family on so they could share their story um, because in hopes that someone else who's being there for someone with an eating disorder can feel like they're not alone. And that is the whole point of this. So I named it F diet culture because in my opinion, diet culture is still what's contributing to eating disorders increasing in today's society. Social media in general, in my opinion, is like the cesspool of the internet. And I think there are still so many 
unobtainable, not realistic expectations that are in social media platforms and on social media platforms and diet culture is one of them. The amount of different diets that I've tried in my life, the, the diet industry has gotten their money's worth out of me because I have paid so much money for different diets and different meal plans and books and fit tea and all of that shit that none of it worked. And it was never meant to work. It was meant to take my money. And that's the point of it because I think especially high schoolers and young children are so impressionable through social media platforms. And the more they see things like keto diet, which is not healthy for you at all, and the Whole30, which is an extremely restrictive diet. Um, again, take that with a grain of salt. I will never judge anyone that has done a diet or are currently doing those because I have done all of it. So never ever will I judge anyone for doing those things. And let me say, I preface the fact and understanding that some people diet because they want to have a better lifestyle. You know, I look at my mom, my mom is someone who has different heart conditions. And this past year she started dieting and working out a lot more. She overall wanted a healthier lifestyle. And that was a great learning opportunity for me because I was help, able to help her do it with balance and sustainability. And that's the key of it. Certain diets that are in media today are not meant to be sustainable. They're meant to take your money and they're meant to make you feel like you have to have this glorious before and after picture. And that after picture of losing 10, 20, 30 pounds, it's what's going to equate to happiness when that's a load of bullshit because losing weight does not bring happiness. Finding that within yourself and your life and being at a point of where you are content and accepting of where you are in life, that's what brings happiness, not the number on the scale. One day when we die, our tombstone will not read the lowest weight we were able to reach. It's not going to say reach 120 pounds. It's going to say loving father, loving sister, husband, whatever it may be, because that is who you are, not the number on the scale. And so that is why I named it F Diet Culture. Um, I hope anyone's listening. I'll probably say that at the end of every single episode, but I'm really excited to do this because I, I did have people wanting to hear this and wanting a continuance of my YouTube series, but in a podcast form to be able to listen to it in the car or at work, working out, whatever it may be. Right now, as I'm recording this, I don't know what platform I will be on just yet, whether it will be Spotify or Apple Podcasts, but leave a review, tell a friend, give me five stars. And as always, just thank you from the bottom of my heart. Anyone who has bought my clothing, shared my post, you know, listened to my YouTube series, whatever it may be. I hope that this is a way for you to feel like you are not alone because along this journey, I have found a plethora of people who have experienced an eating disorder or have had a hard relationship with their body, both men and women. And that is okay. That is the point of this podcast is for you to be able to find someone who you can be able to relate to. So thank you so much for listening and I will see you next Wednesday with my very first guest.